was kind of like, you know, we've been doing this whole article thing for a few months. We're creating all this content. I don't really know how valuable it is. The CFO was the last to really buy in. And so they walk into this meeting and they've got this really big partner that they're trying to force this partnership with. And they sit down and the partner turns to our first client, who is the chief product officer, and says, hey, before we start, I just want to let you know, yesterday I was reading all your articles. Amazing amazing stuff like really really enjoyed reading them and they ended up going through and landing this huge partnership and <laughs> CFO walked out of the meeting and said I take back everything that I've ever said like this is the most powerful marketing tool that we have in our arsenal because it's not running an ad it's not public relations it's not any of that like look at how great we are or click here to buy it's scaling who you are and how you're thinking about your industry and that's the sort of thing that you don't really realize that ROI or that benefit until you see it impacted on a huge partnership or an inbound client. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, episode 140. Our guest today is Nicholas Cole, founder of the thought leadership agency, Digital Press. Digital Press is working with over 100 founders, business owners, and C-level executives to help them tell their business stories with a new level of effectiveness. Cole has become one of the most read writers on the internet, with over 50 million views and one of Inc. Magazine's top 10 columnists. Good morning, Cole. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, excited to have you on the show today. And uh, so curious, you've had such an interesting career. What first got you started and interested in writing online? So how I ended up even getting introduced to the idea of sharing my own thoughts, opinions, perspectives on the internet was when I was 17, I was one of the highest ranked World of Warcraft players in North America. I was very into gaming and it was just one of those kids fascinated by technology. And I remember when I was 17 that summer, I was on the internet. I was just kind of reading other gaming blogs, you know, just doing what gamers do. And I heard of this new site. It was called Game Riot at the time. And it was kind of like MySpace for the gaming industry. It was one of the first blogging sites that also had a social component. So anyone could start a blog. You could follow other people. You could comment. There was like a leaderboard on the front page for the highest performing blogs of the day and of the month. And of course, all of those things really appealed to me as a gamer because it was a way of measuring whether my writing or someone else's writing was quote unquote better than someone else's. And I found that fascinating. And so I remember I had been reading, there's this other player that I had been following for a while. And for those that don't know in the gaming world, one of the things before esports became a billion dollar industry, a lot of the players that were well known on the internet, everyone was just kind of doing it for street credibility, you know, and bragging rights. And so a few players had kind of done what no one was really doing. Like this was 2007, blogging wasn't even cool yet. And some gamers would start their own gaming blogs and just tell stories, talk about gameplay strategies, etc. And there was something that clicked in my head where I realized that if you had the ability to have other people read what it is that you were saying, if you could build an audience for yourself, 
then you possessed something that not very many other people did. And I already had started seeing signs of the esports industry that we know today. This was over a decade ago. And I was just that kid. I thought, oh, I'm going to make this my entire life. And so I started a blog. And I started writing about gameplay strategies. And I always would monitor that leaderboard on the front page. (laughs) And it was this first introduction of me being able to see if my writing was better than someone else's and how to make sure that mine was performing and getting the most attention. And if I look back and compare that to then ultimately all the things that I've done since becoming a top writer on Quora, laddering that up and becoming one of Inc. Magazine's most popular columnists, starting my own writing company, like all of these things I realized much later stemmed from these very early years, just being a teenage gamer and writing about my experiences on the internet. That's such a cool story. I mean, did you realize it was monetizable when you first started or was it all just for this adrenaline rush and street cred? So this is what's so interesting. And I don't even really know necessarily what gave me this idea. But the same way that I perceived what I was doing as a 17-year-old is actually the same strategy that I've kept with me through my entire career since. And it's this idea where even as a teenager, I didn't think oh, I'm going to make money by writing on a blog and then putting ads on it. I didn't see it in a short-term monetization way. I think what actually introduced me to it was when I was looking for a job, I, I was like 17, 18, my parents had said, you know, hey, you're getting ready to go off to college. You need to find a job. And of course, I had no interest in going and like working at a coffee shop or something. So the first thing that I did was figure out how can I make money on the internet? especially doing something that I loved if it could be related to gaming. So I remember I poked around and I found this site that said they were looking for writers to write walkthrough guides for their website about World of Warcraft because the game was just exploding. And they saw that as a traffic opportunity. And I thought, oh, wow, I could totally write these walkthrough guides and make a living, quote unquote, doing this. And so I reached out, I sent them a message, filled out the application form and said, hey, you know, I'm a I'm one of the highest ranked players in the country. I know a lot about this game. I would love to write walkthrough guides. And I got an email back five or 10 minutes later from the guy who owned the site that said, oh my God, I read your blog every day. I would love to have you write for our site. I think that was the first time that I realized that the whole point of building an audience or you know, now I basically speak on this through this lens of what's the value of building your personal brand or positioning yourself as a thought leader in your industry, specifically in in the business world. But 10 years ago, what introduced me to that was I was just a gamer and I had this opportunity that fell in my lap because someone was already reading my material. They already saw me as an authority. And I remember getting paid something like 50 bucks an article, which seemed like a ton of money as a teenager. And I could write an article in 30 minutes. I realized that the whole point wasn't making money in the short term. The whole point was building yourself into this recognizable persona so that bigger and better opportunities would come your way. It's such a great story. You know, it's this classic, like, do what you love, but follow the money concept, right? So so it's not just that you took your passion and were able to turn it into something that was scalable in a lot of different ways. It sort of evolved. But you were able to recognize at these different inflection points, like, okay, I'm onto something here. I have developed this expertise and this is transferable. And I could really see how it would play out over time. By the time I finished high school, 
I pretty much hit that fork in the road where I really had to ask myself, do I want to make competitive gaming my life? And I ultimately decided that I didn't, to be honest. I feel like I had poured years of my life into this game and the game was changing and I was getting older. And I just realized there were other things in life that I wanted to do. But it was still very apparent to me that esports was going to become a thing. The value of building your own audience, that philosophy was applicable to anything. It was very clear to me that the players that put videos out online or had blogs, they were the ones more likely to get sponsored. They were the ones that had more opportunities come their way. So even though I learned it in a very strange, kind of awkward even industry, like in its infancy, a lot of the things I just continued to reflect on. And I really asked myself, why is this working the way that it's working? And then I went on and applied those same philosophies to writing on Quora. And 2015, I became the number one writer on Quora. I was the most popular writer on a platform with 200 million users. And that was a product of me writing obsessively. I wrote one Quora answer every single day for a year straight. And I studied what the competition was doing. And I studied which articles of mine performed the best. And I approached the entire thing through this lens of a gamer. And that's why I think I love reflecting on those early years so much, because they taught me so many things. What it seems to have inadvertently taught you (laughs) is the entrepreneurial process, right, of what we now come to think of as the lean startup methodology of testing your ideas and seeing what happens, right, and responding to the evidence that you collect and then iterating. And really, I never thought of it before until we had this conversation today. So first for me, too, that the way that gamers approach trying to solve a game, trying to solve a problem, is very similar to how successful entrepreneurs approach trying to bring something to the marketplace. Completely. Now I'm playing that game. Now I'm playing the startup game. And I started my company, Digital Press. I, I think we're coming up on two years and high growth. You know, We went from zero to 15 employees in just over a year. We crossed the seven-figure mark after less than 12 months. It grew very, very quickly. And you'd be surprised how many people in that world that play the startup game and our founders have some sort of background in gaming. (laughs) I come across it all the time. And it's funny because it took me a long time, I think, to be comfortable with talking about it so much. But over time, as I've really just shared my story and allowed other people that had experienced similar things to just kind of come out of the woodwork, it's crazy to me how many times either after someone hears a podcast or reads something that I wrote, or even I just run into and we're just sharing backgrounds, it's very, very popular for people in the startup world to have a gaming background and to say, yeah, I'm applying a lot of the same philosophies that I picked up to navigating the never-ending challenges of building, growing, and scaling a company. It's funny, Cole. It, it really makes sense. And it makes me think about, you know, we don't really have unlimited deaths in the <laughs> real world space. Uh, although I guess in gaming, you don't either. You still have to, to take a step backwards, right? Yeah, it depends on what game you're playing, right? But yeah, I mean, a huge part of it is figuring out where you're weighing pros and cons. You know, what do I have to gain? What do I have to lose? And I'm also thinking like, uh, what resources do I have available, right? And how are they diminishing as I make those choices? Yep. One of our advisors who also is a gamer as well, his name's Wayne Chang, and he's very, very accomplished and intelligent entrepreneur. And that was one of the first conversations that we had. He was explaining to me this concept of build order, which is this idea that if you give 10 entrepreneurs the exact same resources based on the decisions that they make and the order in which they make them, 
each one of those entrepreneurs will end up in very different places. Some people will deploy all of their resources too quickly and they will be, you know, <laughs> dead three months from now. Some people won't use the resources quickly enough. And so they also won't make it very long. It becomes this whole game of figuring out what chess piece goes where. And I never really had articulated it that way or thought of it that way until Wayne and I had met and he had explained that thinking to me. And that's another great example, right? Like he was taking things that he had learned from something else, applied it to the business world and the startup world. And then as soon as he explained it to me, then I put two and two together. And that's such a big reason why I'm so fanatical about sharing what it is that I learned because I'm so aware of how even just a few sentences from someone can change the way that you think about making decisions. And I've been someone who's benefited a lot from mentorship. So in all of my own content, the things that I write about, I'm a really big believer in just sharing and kind of paying it forward and giving that wisdom to the next person and whatever they choose to do with it is their choice. Well, you've got a really unique perspective from your past and going forward. So you have a totally different lens of looking at today's businesses and business owners and how they could capitalize, if you will, from the gaming industry and from this perspective you've had over your development. What should every business owner be aware of when they look at their image and their business image? Great question. I think in the simplest way, what gaming taught me is it showed me what the world looks like on the internet. And that is very different than the world that we all see. We walk outside our houses or our apartments and it's the real world. And what makes it different is that on the internet, you control what people see for good, bad, however you feel about that philosophically, that is the reality of it. Some people take that to an extreme that I don't agree with. It's just worth being aware of. And you see the people that, you know, will go rent sports cars or rent a mansion and take pictures and make it seem like they're way more successful than they actually are. And they push products that don't actually really do anything. And those are the people that have realized that you can manipulate based on controlling the narrative, however you want to on the internet. The reason why I like pointing things out like that and sharing that with people is that if you're a business owner, you need to realize that people make snap judgments about who you are, the work that you do, the quality of the work that you do, quality of your product or service. Any assumption that they could possibly make happens very, very quickly and often very subconsciously based on what pictures they see that are associated with you. If your profile picture looks like it was cut from a family photo from 15 years ago and is blurry, that is a signal that tells them something. It says, I don't really know what professional looks like. Or if your header image on some social profile is a blurry photo you downloaded from Google or your bio has a bunch of grammatical errors in it. All of these little things very quickly tell someone things about you that even if in the real world you go, hey, I do great work and I have a great network and everyone in my town or my city knows that I'm a really trustworthy business owner. The truth is that at scale and on the internet, it's a very different game. And I think the biggest mistake that I see people make is they just kind of assume that whatever it is that they do, they could have empty profiles, they could not be active, they could never really even play the game, quote unquote, of the internet. And yet then they wonder why they aren't receiving all the things that they feel like they deserve to receive. 
And so a big part of what I do and a lot of the work that my company does is really helping people that are very talented and are very smart and do great work, but helping them communicate that effectively in this other world that, to be honest, a lot of people still don't really know how it operates. I even find some business owners that really don't want to be in the public eye, and they're very fearful about a lot of the social media and and stepping out. I'm sure you've run across this situation. What are your thoughts? You know, that's a classic, what do you have to gain? What do you have to lose? If you break it down into just what's the most logical way of thinking about that, it's, well, which is bigger? The fear of criticism or the fear of getting something wrong or the fear of, you know, X, Y, Z, or the benefit of building a network at scale, the benefit of being able to attract clients or customers from anywhere in the world, being able to launch your second venture more easily. So from my perspective, when I first got into this, and I tell people all the time, I don't even really use my own personal social media. My personal Facebook, it's there, so I don't lose contact with a few people, but I don't really ever update it. And every other social profile that I have is all for personal branding purposes. It is for business. And I'm very aware of that separation. And the whole reason why I did that was because I knew the benefits that came with it. And whatever fears or apprehensions I had, if I put them side by side with all of the things that I could gain, it was a no-brainer. The benefits outweighed the fears or the losses. So I think for a lot of people, I can understand the apprehension. I can get it. it. To be honest, you don't have to do it. You don't have to put yourself out there. But then also don't expect to be seen as that sort of person either. I think I really try and educate people is you can't not participate in the game and then expect or wonder, well, why doesn't everyone see me as an expert? Why doesn't everyone see me as one of the best people to work with in this industry? Because you can't have both. You have to play the game if you want that. So Cole, tell me about where this really has come to fruition for one of your clients. So my company, Digital Press, when we started it, it was very much based on just work that I was doing individually. I had kind of fallen into the world of executive ghostwriting. And when I say ghostwriting, I really don't mean me putting words in other people's mouths. My process was I would sit down with really accomplished people. I would ask them questions that I felt like would provide readers a lot of value. You know, it wasn't really about how do we make you sound, you know, like the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's just how do we pull out your best insights? You know, what do you know that other people should know? And so I would ask questions. If it was over the phone, we would record the call and then I would take their answers and then I would just basically help edit their words so that it was formatted and executed in a way that I knew people would want to read based on all the articles that I had written and kind of the form that I had learned for myself. And after I had done this for two, four, eight, 12 executives and founders on my own, uh, basically convinced one of my closest friends, Drew, to take the leap and to turn this into a company where we would hire writers, we would hire editors, and we would work only with founders and C-level executives and investors and speakers, people that are very much at the top of their industries. And the thing that I've really seen more than anything is just how many of these really intelligent people, very smart, very accomplished, very successful, their biggest challenge, aside from just not having the time to write or not being writers themselves, is that they almost forget the value of what they know. What I mean by that is it's so easy to just get sucked into your own vacuum. You know, you do what you do, you have your daily routine. 
you know what your responsibilities are, and you just do it. And a lot of these really successful founders have just been building their company or companies for years. And they haven't ever really thought like, well, why did I do what I did? How did I make those decisions? And so when you talk to them, I find that these people will say brilliant things. And then immediately after it, they'll just say like, yeah, because is that going to be helpful for anyone? And I'll laugh and I'll say, yeah, you just taught me something. Like, of course, that's going to be helpful for someone else. And what's so amazing about that process is, A, it helps them become more aware of even how they make their own decisions. I found that it helps with speaking and even just like sharing ideas and knowing how to communicate in other efforts for their companies and how to share their mission in a way that is more effectively articulated. And then on top of that, I've also seen that what this leads to, it's just increased opportunity. It's just more and more people building your network at scale. Because in the same things that us three might sit down and talk about over coffee, chances are I've written articles about it. And I've shared a lot of those same thoughts and perspectives and insights in hundreds of different ways. And so what that allows is when you combine that with a little bit of personal story, a little bit of sharing insights, the ways that I or you or someone else might think about something, instead of repeating those same things over and over and over again at endless coffee meetings, you can start to actually scale that. And you're scaling who you are as a person, which means then you could have someone from all the way across the world go, hey, I just read your article. I've had this happen. Someone be like, hey, I just read your article. And what you shared about X topic, that was really helpful for me. But also your story about being a gamer. I was a gamer. That's amazing. It's always great to connect with someone else who has that. And then boom, like you just made a connection with someone halfway across the world. And so that I think is one of the biggest benefits of positioning yourself as a quote unquote thought leader. That's excellent. And in your day-to-day operations within digital press, have you got a client that's really seen some of the benefits take off? So yeah, so we had this client, actually, she was one of our first clients when we first started the company. You know, we explained our process, what we do, our philosophy, why we feel like this is valuable for business owners. And I remember she wanted to give it a chance because she's like, I know I really need to do this. But she also was kind of hesitant saying, hey, you know, I've worked with writers in the past. And I always cringe when someone says, oh, I've worked with a content writer before because I studied fiction writing and literature in college. I didn't study marketing. So I really take the craft of writing very seriously. And I'm a practitioner. I write and practice myself. So I always hate that comparison, but I also love it too, because that means there's an opportunity. So she goes, I'll be one of your first clients, but I'd like to do it as a test. We'll do this for one or two months. We'll see how it goes. And more than just any of the results, the fact that she started seeing her work getting picked up by major publications after a number of months, Forbes even approached her and said, we love what you're writing about. We would love for you to become a contributor directly to our publication, which she thought that was super cool. So after two months, you know, she was completely bought in and said, okay, she then scaled that to her entire leadership team. And she said, this has done for me as an individual. I mean, it it was helping with speaking gigs. It was helping with getting just further exposure on the projects they were working on, but not in a promotional way, more of in just a, let me exemplify how we're thinking about solving some of the issues in our industry, a supply chain company. And so she then had to start working with her entire executive team, the CTO, the CFO, the COO, the CEO. And there was a point where we were producing close to 25, 30 articles for them every month. And what started to happen is that 
each one of them then could kind of add different perspectives on their narrative from each other's articles. So the CEO might say, hey, I was just in a meeting talking to my CTO and we were thinking through these things and this is how we recommend that other companies be thinking through X, Y, and Z. And then in the CTO's article, they might talk about something very similar, but with their own twist, and then mention the CEO and mention some of the things that they were thinking about. And another gaming reference, I call this power leveling, because what happens is your results start to compound on themselves, where someone that starts following or reading one person, then inherently just kind of organically moves to, well, what's this other person talking about? And then what's this other person talking about? And the big amazing moment that she shared with us was that their company was working through a really big partnership. And at the time, their CFO was kind of like, you know, we've been doing this whole article thing for a few months. We're creating all this content. I don't really know how valuable it is. The CFO was the last to really buy in. And so they walk into this meeting and they've got this really big partner that they're trying to forge this partnership with. And they sit down and the partner turns to our first client, who is the chief product officer, and says, hey, before we start, I just want to let you know, yesterday I was reading all your articles. Amazing amazing stuff. Like I really, really enjoyed reading them. And they ended up going through and landing this huge partnership and (laughs) CFO walked out of the meeting and said, I take back everything that I've ever said. Like this is the most powerful marketing tool that we have in our arsenal because it's not running an ad. It's not public relations. It's not any of that. Like look at how great we are or click here to buy. It's scaling who you are and how you're thinking about your industry. And that's the sort of thing that you don't really realize that ROI or that benefit until you see it impacted on a huge partnership or an inbound client or something that just has a longer tail. Cole, you know, that was such a fascinating story. And I can't help thinking about this thread of gaming as applied strategy, you know, and how that served you so well in your life and also with your clients. And it's so interesting to see how this has evolved. And I'm curious, you know, for our listeners here, how would you summarize the things that they could take away? What could they do next? The biggest point that I really want to make, and I write about this often, is this idea of, you know, I go back to those early, early days as a gaming blogger, is this idea of postponing short-term rewards for the longer-term payoff. And how I think about that in terms of business and scaling and personal branding is I really find so many people, they walk into this game and think, well, I wrote one article or I did one thing. Why isn't everyone paying attention to me? And I really ask and encourage people not to jump to that and to instead really pull back and try and think about, well, what is the true value of what you're doing and what are you really aiming toward? For me, the way I've always thought about this is What I'm aiming toward is creating such a massive library of content, specifically through written articles, because that's I'm a writer and that's just kind of my skill set, in a way where whenever someone comes across what I do, whether we meet and they Google my name, whether someone else mentions me to them, they Google my name, everything about networking and business and connections, all of it revolves around this idea of when someone looks you up, what do they find? To reputation. And so I don't ever really think about one specific article going viral, even though I've had that. I've had individual articles get over a million views. I've had an article get over 5 million views. But that's not the measure for success. That's not the goal. 
the goal is, yeah, sure, to have as many of those as you can, but really the goal is to create this cohesive library where when someone looks you up on the internet, which is a very different sort of reality, what they find is a complete picture of who you are. And that is the thing that brings in the most opportunity. And it's not something that you're going to see has, oh, I wrote one article, I spent X dollars on it. And the very next month I made double that amount of dollars. And that's in my pocket. That's such a short-term way of thinking about it. Instead, I really encourage people to think, well, what are some of the longer-term benefits? What is the benefit of people seeing me as an authority? How do you quantify that? And that's really what you're driving towards. So a few ways that I really encourage people to think about actually achieving that is, A, just being consistent. Like first and foremost, if you aren't consistently playing the game, you can't expect people to see you as a player in the game, plain and simple. So what people see of me on the internet at this point is the result of five plus years of writing about business and entrepreneurship and life in general, almost every day, if not weekly. So number one is you have to be consistent with your efforts and understand you're playing a longer game. Two is it's not about talking about how great you are. It's about showing how you think about the work that you do or the products that you make. It's almost a different way of selling where you don't need to tell someone, look, I'm the best. If you just share your thinking and the way that you process through decisions, people are going to listen to you and say, wow, how you're thinking about that's really interesting. I want to work with you because I like the way that you're thinking about it. So that's why everything that I write and everything that I do is based around, I don't want to talk about just like, I'm so great and Digital Press is my company and you should spend money with us. No one cares about that. But what they care about is they want to learn something that's relevant or tangentially relevant to what I'm doing. Maybe they want to know how to write more compelling copy. Maybe they want to know how to write articles that have the potential to go viral. Maybe they want to know how to get a column at a major publication. So I'm always thinking, well, what does my reader want? And how can I give them something that's valuable to their life or teach them something so that they then see me as the authority? And in doing so, That means, no, I'm not getting my payoff at step one, but step two is pretty obvious. They see you as an authority, and then when they have a question or they're ready to open up some of their marketing budget or whatever it is, they're going to think, I get a lot of value from this person. I should go to them. So you're postponing step one in order to receive the long-term benefit at step two. And then the third thing that I just really encourage people to always be thinking about is where are you going to get the highest impact for the lowest amount of effort? And when Wayne was really explaining this to me and and how I've applied it to my own businesses, I've also applied it to how I write. And so I'm always looking for what's the next platform, what's the next community that I can share in that's going to give me the most exposure for the least amount of effort. So part of my job is always looking for, well, where's that next territory? And right now, what I keep telling everyone, and I think it's going to stay this way for the next few years, is Quora. Quora has so much potential as a platform. If you don't know what it is, Q-U-O-R-A.com, huge potential. It's a question answer platform, but it's social. And the exposure that you can get there is way higher than what you're going to get on like a Facebook or Twitter right now, or especially organically. So that's why I really encourage people that are playing with written content, always be looking for what is that next place that I can start sharing in that's going to give me the highest return on my investment. And give us an example of a beginner's Quora strategy. Beginner strategy in the simplest way is find questions that you feel like you could provide a lot of value in answering and then answer them and do that consistently. 
You know, I find everyone always wants to know the growth hack. You know, well, <laughs> right. how, how do I find the question that's going to immediately make everything go viral? You're not. You know, how am I going to be able to post my first thing and get hundreds of thousands of views? You're not. But that's what's so powerful about this mentality of anytime someone thinks they found a shortcut, almost always is a longer road in disguise. Just put one foot in front of the other and consistency will always, always beat someone that's constantly running around trying to find the shortcut. And so if you're just consistent, everything else takes care of itself. So just find questions that you feel like you can provide a lot of value in answering. And then don't talk about just how great you are. Really think, say we were having a cup of coffee and you said, how can I write the most compelling article on the internet? And my answer to you was digital press is the best company on earth. You would feel like that was the most worthless hour long coffee session you've ever had. And yet that's what so many people do is they feel like, oh, I immediately have someone's attention. I need to ram my sales pitch down their throat. And instead, I just think like, let go of that. Do the opposite. Just answer the person's question. Just help them. And then in return, what's going to happen is over time, a portion of those people are going to go, wow, you add a ton of value to my life. So of course, I'm going to reach out to you. Of course, I'm going to think of you. Yeah, I love that, right? I mean, the only way for sure that we know will not get you any kind of growth or overnight success is to continue not posting things. Yeah, it's pretty basic, right? And yet, yeah. But, you know, I've had a lot of passions in my life competitive gaming, I got really into bodybuilding. Now I'm playing the startup game. And what I've really realized and found is that this isn't a marketing problem, this isn't a business problem, this is a, a human being problem because nobody wants to be consistent. Everyone wants the trophy at the end overnight. No one wants it to take time. And a lot of people really struggle with just basic habits, plain and simple. If you can fix one thing, it's picking a vehicle and just being consistent with it. That's really it. If I look at everything that that writing has brought me in my life, professionally, building a business, it all stemmed from a very basic habit. I'm going to write every day on the internet. Now, most people aren't writers. They're not going to write every single day. Every week, every month, whatever it is, just that consistency over a long period of time will always outperform someone who always chasing the next growth hack. Three months from now, it's not even going to be relevant. Yeah, it's that discipline, right? I mean, and, and it sounds like you really developed that over time and it's just shown up in all these ways. And we certainly know the power of those habits. Cole, it's been so great having you on today. I know Craig and I really enjoyed it. And I'm curious uh, if you have anything else you'd like to leave with our listeners. You know, I write about this stuff all the time. I'm such a big believer in paying it forward and sharing. So I encourage anyone, you know, if you go through my own library of content, I'm sure you'll find something that'll help you. But I think just as a final thought is really just encouraging people that are playing in that one to $10 million business range to really question and start seeing the massive opportunity that you can attract for yourself and your business by just sharing what you know. I mean, that's what every sales pitch is. It's probably what you've got sales teams doing. That's probably why you take so many meetings, taking calls, coffee meetings, dinner meetings. And every one of them, you're probably sharing a lot of the same stuff. Here's what I do. Here's how I think about solving problems. Here's who we work with. Here's our capabilities. Here's why we're different. And all of those things have the potential to be dozens and dozens and dozens of articles, all with your name on it all with just sharing what you know at scale. And the power of that, 
I find so many people like you can explain it to them. They're like, yeah, I can kind of understand that. But until when they start and they start actually seeing that happen, they then are converted forever. (laughs) They go, I'll never stop doing this because they truly see the power of just share what you know at scale. It allows for so many more opportunities to come into your life. So again, it's not an ego thing. It's not like uh, you have to be in the spotlight all day. Just share what you know. And that's it. Our guest today has been Nicholas Cole, founder of Digital Press and one of the most read writers on the internet and one of Inc. Magazine's top 10 columnists. You can learn more about Cole as well as find links to his content in the show notes at businessownersradio.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show and, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business. Business.